All right, everybody, a little bit of a different podcast today with Thanksgiving week. James and I are going to jump on first, talk at the Thanksgiving Day games, break those down game by game style. If you're listening to this on Friday after those games have posted, just skip ahead to the 1150 mark about, and that's where we start jumping into the main slate of games for Sunday. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Wednesday. It's November 25th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... What? <laughs> was that a turkey? Oh, yeah, sorry. That was my pet turkey. This is James Davis. <laughs> Did you hear my turkey in the background? That's my pet. The turkey. <laughs> yeah, we're, well, we're here the day before Turkey Day. Uh, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, before we get uh, football slate... We're going to actually do a little bit different this week. Only one podcast this week. We're going to cover the three games for Thanksgiving. Then we'll go game by game for the main slate. So if you're still here after the opening that told you where to skip ahead, you can skip ahead to get that main slate of games uh, after it goes off. Uh, as the yearly tradition where the first two games on the slate uh, for Thanksgiving are terrible because the teams stink because they just for, have just bottlenecked the Cowboys. Uh, I mean, it's the Cowboys. I don't know, they won last week. Uh, and then you get the Lions and you get... Houston and you get the Redskins and it's I don't know the NFL doesn't have to compete with much so I guess it's totally fine but this uh this when this, this Thursday of football from at least from a teams that have like chances to make the playoffs and stuff and are good you guys kind of have to wait till Pittsburgh and, and the Steelers uh, during the night and I guess there's questions about whether that game is going to even play because I, I have a feeling if they get I kind of I think I've heard actually or read that if they get w- one or two more COVID tests at all they're just going to cancel the game so we'll see. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. How are we feeling going into the holiday? Yeah, I mean, feeling a lot worse if we don't get a real football game at the end of Thanksgiving. I guess in a year where there's still much to be thankful for, Doug, that things could be worse than losing the one good game on the slate. But that really is a good one, too. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping we get to get to view it. But what are you going to do? We'll know today, I think, as they uh, continue testing. I think the, the tests are more on the Baltimore side. Uh, we'll, we'll roll through these Thanksgiving games quickly. I do think there's some um, stuff to talk about in terms of some bets that you can throw out there as long as, and some DFS plays, and there's some injury stuff that we're still kind of monitoring. The first game is the Houston Texans go in and play the Lions. Houston coming off uh, a good game last week by Deshaun Watson. He's been excellent, really. I basically, since Bill O'Brien left, he's been, I think, the fourth-best quarterback in football, like right back to where he needed to be fantasy-wise. Uh, for me, he's pretty much the play here on oh, this yeah. slate and for cash. I, I don't want to play Lamar Jackson. Um, in our His price has come down a little bit, but I just I, the Jackson thing is – it's just not. It's just not happening, really. I don't really know what else to say. Well, you're Lots not. You're, you're not going to run him into the Steelers at any rate, right? Like, even if you're like, oh, he's going to bounce back, or he's run bad, or just wait and see. You're not going to do it against the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers bottled him up very well last time. He went 13 for 28 against the Steelers in their last meeting. Granted, yeah. he carried the ball 16 times. He also fumbled the ball three times. Like, you're not. It's not a thing. You can't pick him over Watson in a good matchup here. I'm wondering your opinion on the wide receiver situation. We basically run Brandon Cooks out, I mean, sure. week in, week in, and week out. And the target-wise, he's the leader, but when – like the leader, that's like the Simpsons episode. Um, the, uh, <laughs> he, looks like a, he looks like a leader. The, uh, but then on the, but at the same time, Will Fuller actually leads in touchdowns and yards, right? So, I mean, from a cash game perspective, do we just want to target the targets here with Cooks? Because Fuller is a little bit more expensive, right. but it's clearly more – 
the, the, the touchdown equity for Fuller is a real thing in terms of size. Now, Cooks did have a touchdown callback last week, so, I mean, take that for what it's worth. But where do you land sort of on these, uh, on these Houston receivers? I, they're both in pretty good spots. Yeah, well, first of all, it's a really short slate, so I don't know that you can get away with, you know, just paying up, even if you do think Fuller is slightly better. That extra 900 bucks really matters when you've only got three, maybe two total games. So I think for that reason alone, I'd probably lean into Cooks. I honestly wouldn't be averse to playing both. I think, like, Fuller is still probably worth something like 7400 especially when you look at some of the other teams going today. And on these short slates, you got to remember, too, it's going to be tough to have all players in your lineup where you're like, feel great about that play, feel even better about this one, you know? Like, like just look at some of the quarterback back play today, right? You got Stafford with a torn ligament in his thumb. We saw how that played out for Detroit's offense last week. Uh, then you have Washington and Dallas, where you're basically getting this, like, throwback to 2012 matchup, right? <laughs> where you're like, like, maybe you can sneak Alex Smith and some of his pieces in there. And then you have really two really tough defenses going in the nighttime game, right? So at some point, you're going to have to say, hey, I'm going to play, pay a little extra for Will Fuller, or I'm going to, you know, maybe stick my neck out and play Steelers wide receivers into a bad matchup. But you're not going to be able to do like we do in a normal week and try to get it perfect. So, uh, yeah, but I guess that's my long story short is that I expect to play a handful of guys this week that I'm not over the moon about. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, playing both is probably fine. There, Desmond Trufant is uh, one cornerback here on the other side. He's been terrible in terms of PFF rating. So, uh, you think, you know, whoever you think gets more of that matchup, uh, they're in a really good spot. We have them basically for the same projection. It's just a difference of just like the, the PPR piece, you know, and the, and the yards kind of equal equaling each other out because like I said Fuller does have more yards I do like Aikens here still it's just a cheap tight end option uh, tight ends just not great in general Duke Johnson's interesting he's gotten he's total bell cow territory he absolutely has stunk in terms of an efficiency piece uh the yard I think he's averaging like 2.7 yards a carry it's terrible um you can probably still consider it though because he is just on the field for like 90 80 to 90 percent of the snaps and Mm -hmm. you know in this world that counts a lot the one on the other side of the ball i'm with you on the Stafford thing you can't touch it Uh, galladay looks like he's going to be out again i will say if deandre swift clears concussion protocol today i would play him in cash so um he just like when he took over he was absolutely electric uh when they finally gave him the start i joked last week on twitter that uh I think Matt Patricia was secretly like happy that he got concussed so he could just keep playing Adrian Peterson, like just didn't <laughs> want to play Swift, like just really just wants to play AP and just was finally given the excuse and just to run him up the middle and uh, just have him just kind of die at the line of scrimmage, which seems to happen. Anyway, so wait on that for the Swift piece. I don't think I want any other part of the Detroit. Um, I, I don't really want any other part of, of the Detroit offense here. In terms of bets, I think I have one in here. Uh, no, never mind. I have right, right around this game, right around a pick them actually, uh, which is interesting because I don't think it's like fully factored in. I did not bet it. It has, has a pick them, even though Houston's minus three, but factoring that the Stafford hand injury is something that our system has a little trouble kind of sometimes deducing. So while it looks like it good on paper for Detroit, I'm a little bit worried about the hand. Let's keep going. Second game of the slate is Washington and Dallas. Dallas did actually pull off the win last week against the Vikings. Uh, so, Go Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, they looked. At, here's the thing. They actually looked like sort of – they looked competent on offense with Dalton, with Dalton back. And we know Dalton's been a competent quarterback in the past, right? Like he just kind of – he was out because sure. of the injury. But they were able to really kind of put it together in, in a win. How confident are we after that, after that one game – 
feeling a little bit better about guys like Zeke, feeling a little bit better about the about the wide receiver play in, in you know in Cooper and uh, Gallup and CeeDee Lamb and even Dalton Schultz. Like, are we willing to get there again on sort of some of their opportunity, or is it still just too much of a downgrade from Dak? So let's go in order. So first of all, Zeke looks totally playable to me. Um, you know, 8,500 might be a bit rich for what he's done so far this season, but, you know, last week, he's, if he's going to touch the ball 20-plus times a game, like that still should be enough for him. You know, it's still a reasonable offensive line to help them uh, establish the run and so forth. So, so yeah, I, I think that's totally worthwhile. Um, Dalton Schultz, you mentioned, I think he's one of the better tight end plays on the slate as well. And after that, though, I don't know that I'm going to try to run anyone else. Like the wide receiver situation to me, I don't know that Dalton can support these three guys in the same way that Dak could. Uh, the price has obviously come down quite a bit on all of them, but we really haven't seen the target share to justify even their existing prices. I mean, maybe you can squint and, and squeeze Amari Cooper in there if you think he's going to get seven plus targets, but the rest of them, I just think we have better options here. Yeah, I think I agree. And then going the other way here with Washington, we were a week off playing J.D. McKissick in cash. Uh, the targets and the carries just didn't really work themselves out. Right yeah. when I saw Peyton Barber start to creep his head up above the ground, I knew yeah. we were really in trouble on McKissick, and that ended up being the case. It wasn't a total disaster because he did end up getting some targets, but um, we just saw right away that it can get kind of game script dependent on him almost yeah. too quickly. And so – uh, while I like him as an upside play, especially if they fall down, especially on DraftKings, I don't think we can go back there and cash. And I think that guy I feel the same way about Antonio Gibson. They're just too dependent on how the game is going. Uh, but what about with Terry McLaurin? Run him back, though? I mean, are you seeing enough here for the Alex Smith and McLaurin piece to, to feel comfortable with him can cash? The people did want to play him last week, and he saw targets. Two weeks in a row. I mean, he's had ownership a lot higher than I would have expected People really believe in this pairing for whatever reason, and he hasn't been like especially good. I mean, he's kind of crept, he crept over the finish line on his price against Detroit. He certainly didn't get there against Cincy last week. That was a big reason why our lineups wind up doing so well. Is that I think it was almost might have been more than half the field had McLaurin or high 40s on FanDuel. I can't recall exactly, but uh, the price keeps rising. And again, for a three game slate, there really is a decent amount of wide receiver depth here. You got the three guys in Pittsburgh who all remain playable. We talked about two players on Houston. You even have Marvin Jones and stuff. So I don't know that you need to pay a premium for McLaurin this week. I think he could be good, great big tournament play. If he does sneak in the lineups, you don't need to X him or anything, but you definitely don't need to prioritize him. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty much there with you. Like seven targets last week is fine, uh, not great. Again, it was sort of game scripty because they only threw the ball 25 times. If the game ends up being a shootout, I do think a lot of these Washington guys are GBP worthy, uh, but it's hard, to, it's hard to make the case too much in cash just because they have spread it around. Uh, no, oh, I have Washington plus three. I do have Washington plus three in this game. I'm sort of the back of the defense being decent and probably be able to get something done against Dallas. And then, like we said with Baltimore, look, we're kind of waiting and seeing here what's going to happen. We already, I will say, we know that J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram are already out with COVID concerns. So that should give Gus Edwards all the carries, uh, famous last words on that, and Mm -hmm. maybe even increases how much Lamar Jackson is going to run because now just down two running backs. Edwards was decently effective against the Steelers a couple weeks ago when they played, and he got a lot of carries. So take that for what it's worth. It's close between him and Duke Johnson for me. I probably still lean Duke just because of the matchup and how much he's just guaranteed to be on the field. And Gus Edwards is a nice price at 5,200 on FanDuel. So um, that's kind of where I end up landing uh, with these games. 
All right, let's get on to the main sleep of games. Uh, I like the way this is shaking out. We're off. The, we're out of the buys weeks, uh, and we have a full slate. I mean, we have basically a full slate in terms of, of games here with plenty to dive into. We'll go through game by game and lay out some of the uh, scenarios we're looking at and some of the cash game plays. Let's start with Buffalo hosting the Chargers. This game is a huge total. Yeah. Started at 51.5, now up to 53.5. Basically came up even on both sides. Uh, Buffalo with a crazy 29 and a half implied total. Um, and honestly, just 24 from the Chargers yeah. isn't too bad either. These are two really dynamic offenses. Uh, the defense will defenses will let it up. Uh, I'm going to say the one injury news piece here is that Austin Eckler is active off the IR. They removed him from the IR, but that doesn't always mean you're going to return. You have a 21-day window once you're off the IR to come back. So just we are going to want to keep an eye on this. I'm glad this game's at 1 o'clock to know if Eckler is going to play because I think that probably matters for where we're oh, going yeah. cash. Which, <laughs> Certainly where, where, where do you want to start here? Because big favorite territory for Bills uh, at 5.5. Run game, tough to get a handle on. They passed a ton this year. It looks like they just want to open up and pass, pass, pass with Josh Allen. Um, are we looking at him in cash? Where do you want to start with this game? Right on. So for starters, Yes, Josh Allen is definitely one of the quarterbacks we're considering for cash games this week. It's basically between him and Kyler Murray. And Allen, I think, just presents a similar package to Murray's, but a little bit cheaper. Uh, This week, there actually isn't an astounding amount of value. So like we've talked about on the Thanksgiving Day game, you might just wind up being in a position where each dollar matters. And I think Allen, like if you have Allen and the chalk is on Murray, I don't think you feel like embarrassed and like you're going to lose automatically. Allen has been basically just a slightly poor man's version of Murray, right? <laughs> so I think I think he's totally serviceable. And honestly, you can pair Allen with some of his weapons, I think, for big tournaments and for cash games too. Uh, Stefan Diggs, I think, is essentially just an obvious sort of cash game level wide receiver right now. He's second in the league in targets, receptions, and yards. And he's just awesome right he's still sub 8,000 I don't know what everyone's waiting for but he's just plenty of play at sub 8,000 so and even Cole Beasley Cole Beasley I think he's a funny one I'm curious to know if you can parse out uh, or do some pattern recognition for me here because 13 targets last week then three and two in the prior two weeks then 12 targets (laughs) the week before that so he's either like helping you win a big tournament at 5,400 or he's just absolutely crushing you in any format you're playing so um, I think Allen and Diggs are kind of obvious plays. What do you make of Cole Beasley, though? Yeah, it's just one of those like underneath patterns that if it's open up for the defense, it's going to be all day kind of thing with him. Yeah. And if it's not, it, it just seems that's what it strikes me in terms of like just knowing the routes that he runs. Right? This isn't like 13 targets of downfield stuff. It's like whenever they've been able to stretch the field and the underneath stuff is open over and over and over again, that tends to be like sometimes a repeatable pattern for them. And I'm not an X's and O's guy. That's just kind of what seems mm-hmm. to happen with these type of guys, right? Like we just see this time and time again with these, yeah, these, the, you know, these underneath route kind of dudes. Uh, it's going to be tough to play in cash because of just the variance on it. And I don't mind it, especially if the game gets into a shootout. And I'm with you. I, I kind of like all pieces of this Buffalo offense. It's hard not to with the total that they're running into this week. Excuse me. I don't like the, the running backs are just I, the, the eight. Uh, yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, the Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. I almost like Cam Akers. I get the two short name and short name, short first name, short last name. I've got me twisted up there for a second. Uh, too tough to f- figure out what they're doing uh, in terms of the run game there. So, don't love that piece of it, but the passing game for sure. What about we? Go, can we go back to Keenan Allen last yes. week? He was a guy. Yeah, absolutely. Was okay. that, was, that was quick. <laughs> I mean, Keenan Allen. That was a guy that we didn't even end up like sort of hemming and hawing about in cash. Played him 
um, very, very willfully. And it just another week of Justin Herbert. I mean, 19 freaking targets. I almost cursed. Lose the clean tag. 19 targets last week. And it just isn't going to stop anytime soon from the Herbert to Allen thing. It's just, it's just over and over and over again at this point, right? Like, is he just the safest is he just the safest court, the wide receiver at this point? I mean, where do you put him even? I mean, I'm only kind of ranking him at this point with probably Devontae Adams on a, per, on a target per game basis, right? Like, it's he's got 112 targets this season. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah, so basically, Diggs is second in targets and receptions. Allen is first. And he basically has, like, I had to do a double, check, double take to see if they had just played one extra game because he's got... 11 more targets and eight more catches than second place on the season. So basically almost exactly one full game's worth of production. Now, granted, he doesn't do quite as much with those catches as some of the other big-name wide receivers, you know, guys who are catching the ball further downfield or, or getting more yards after the catch. But he's obviously Herbert's uh, his little safety blanket, you know, a little comfort, his little snuggly toy that he keeps with there him when he falls asleep at nighttime. The only team that even came close to shutting Allen down uh, was Miami with all those crazy looks they were throwing, you know, all their movement before the snap and all that stuff that did seem to significantly confuse Herbert against pedestrian defenses. Allen just does whatever he wants. So, yeah, I'm all over it. The, the Diggs-Allen pairing is something I would really like to see in cash this week. I do ultimately think we have enough cheap wide or cheap guys at other spots, hopefully running back, to support it. But, yeah, I just, I'm into it for sure. All right, like I said, we're just keeping an eye on the Eckler piece uh, in yeah. terms of Kalen Balazs. Because I think we would agree that Balazs is probably just a safe cash game running back. Automatic, um, if, if, if Eckler yeah, okay, doesn't right. he, Yeah, he just, was, he's just, he just became the guy in terms of all packages. And yeah. uh, at 5,500 on FanDuel specifically, I just don't think there's a reason to go away from it. Okay, moving on. Las Vegas goes in and plays Atlanta. Vegas right now is a three-point road favorite after really giving the Chiefs a run for their money uh, in Week 11, ultimately they got Pat Mahomes out of out of the win. But uh, <laughs> in general, they just put up another strong performance. This is another one with a really high total: 29 and a half points for Las Vegas, uh, 26 and a half for Atlanta. Let's start on the Vegas side. Where do we land on Josh Jacobs in this matchup? Because we've seen it when it gets when it gets going here. Um, he's they just want to give him the ball a ton. They they did this uh, last week. They even got 17 carries against KC last week, and it ended up being a shootout. Um, where do you land with him in terms of safety, in terms of running back, especially if we're not going to go fully cheap? Yeah, so I can't say that I'm over the moon about Jacobs. I mean, the game script seems like it should favor him here, but we've seen. You know, Booker being around can cause some problems for his touches every once in a while. And he really just doesn't catch balls out of the backfield recently, right? I mean, he's got one target in three of his last four games. And it's all well and good to get carries. Carries are are very good and the backbone of a running back's value. But targets are just worth more, not only in the half to full point PPR, but just because you tend to get more yards when you get them as well. So uh, he's 8,000. That's probably something like a fair price. But you're talking about a guy who has topped... 13 FanDuel points three times this season, right? So every other week, he's been just very disappointing. Like the kind of guy you would look at and be like, oh, that's why we lost in cash games. So I don't think you can play him in cash or you really strongly prefer not to. Uh, like if you compare him to someone like Diggs or Allen at the same price point, I think you'd pretty clearly want to prioritize the wide receivers. So I, I don't imagine he'll make our cash game lineups. Obviously, the upside is there for big tournaments. Um, but yeah, I'm not as, not as hot on him as I... I think I might have been early in the season. And then, what, I mean, the rest of the passing game, it's like Derek Carr has been decent, but it's just like it spreads it out too much. I mean, I guess Waller's been Yeah, it's Waller or consistent. bust, I think. Yeah, I mean, we saw Aguilar get nine targets last week, but 
Uh, it's just too it's just too inconsistent. On the Atlanta side, we saw last week Julio Jones came up hobbled again uh, and was really not able to clear. He's already a game time decision in this one. Uh, we'll have to. This is probably relevant news, right? Because I mean, where do we land on this Atlanta receiving core if Julio were to miss? Would we feel comfortable with going like a Ridley Gage kind of thing? Um, if they we felt or even Hayden Hurst, if we just knew we could back out the Julio targets, this game does again project to be a shootout in great conditions because it played in the dome. Yep. So Hayden Hurst is in that second tier of tight ends again this week. I think uh, Gage had 12 targets last week at New Orleans. Like you said, a, a dome game last week, another dome game this week. At 5,200, that'd be pretty appealing. So definitely something you want to keep an eye on. I think Ridley, I, I don't know about you, but I think I'd still just prefer that kind of Allen and Diggs group. And there's even another guy that we'll get to in the 4 o'clock games that I think I prefer over Ridley as well. So big, great big tournament target, but I don't think I need to force it for cash. Uh, by the way, I think I'm on the same page with all that stuff. Next game, uh, we have Carolina go and play Minnesota. Minnesota um, as four-point home favorites here. The pieces of news we're waiting on, one, Teddy Bridgewater. Obviously, P.J. Walker came in and played for Bridgewater last week. Uh, Bridgewater's questionable right now, so we'll see if he's able to take the field. Adam Thielen is dealing with COVID tests. He had one positive and one negative, so I guess we'll have to wait to see like sort of where this lands. Is it too much of an unknown with this game? They did set a line, so it makes me feel like this line makes me think that Bridgewater is back, so I'm going to start there. Minus four for, for Minnesota. Though they can't, they, they freaking lost to the Cowboys last week. I don't know. Like I, the, the Minnesota's got to be – shout out to Chris Durrell, uh, who's, who, who you know, works with us and is just one of the best dudes ever. Also just this tortured Viking fan. It must be impossible to root for this team. Just when you think they're good, like they lose these crazy games or whatever. <laughs> what, do you make, what do you make of this game? Cook was absolute chalk last week. Could we go back there in a game where they're favored at four points at home? Like, what do you want to do uh, in terms of cash for uh, Carolina and Minnesota? I don't know. I think I'm, I've run out of money for Dalvin Cook. He's coming back at 11000 That would be easily the most we've ever paid for a running back on FanDuel. I think last week was the most we ever paid for a running back on FanDuel with him at 10500 The money just does add up at some point. And while he's paid the price, this price on the season, you're getting into a territory where you're kind of less than thrilled at production. I, I still don't think he's a bad spot to sink money into if it turns out by lineup lock on Sunday that we get like, you know, several more really great cheap plays or something. You know, certainly don't want to rule it out or anything, but starting right now, he's not in our cash game construction. Yeah, I'm with you. The price has just become, it's just too much. Uh, 11000 is like sort of like where Christian McCaffrey was living last year, where we knew he was going to touch the ball like 26 times a game, including like 10 targets or whatever. And even that ended up pushing it. And Cook just doesn't profile the same way. And so while he's amazing and you'd want him on your team every Sunday to be your running back, I, yeah, I, I think I'm with you that at some point you just kind of have to call the ball in terms of price. And that's probably where Yeah, we're I think he's also so practically have- run hot in terms of both touchdowns and long runs this season. Like I think... You've seen this has been a Cinderella season for Cook. Like just every single thing, uh, Cinderella is probably not the right right analogy there. But you get the idea. Fairy tale season. How about that? Yeah. Every single thing has gone right for Cook that could go right, and he's priced as though that's just going to keep happening. I just don't see it. So we'll see. Well, uh, Carolina, like I said, we're kind of waiting and seeing here. Uh, Curtis Samuel looked pretty good last week with P.J. Walker. I don't totally trust that situation. Death taxes and us wanting to play some Carolina receiver because they're usually underpriced and, you know, the targets sort of get redistributed or whatever. I I get why our system likes Samuel. It's built a little bit on the back of a couple games, um, and and the price is 5900 
but there's some of these other cheaper guys I think I probably end up wanting to talk myself into uh, rather than you know wide receiver three on the Carolina Panthers. So um, I get why people like them, and uh, I don't think that's a situation I'm going to go for. And we're going to keep an eye on that wide receiver situation because Justin Jefferson would get a pretty big bump up here, I think, if Thielen was out. And we'd have to bump up uh, some of the secondary options as well. And remember, this is not a team that likes to throw a ton. Like they, Their plan is not to go out and throw 35 times a game. They'd like to, they'd Correct. frankly like to have Kirk Cousins throw up by under 20 times a game sometimes with the way uh-huh. they roll. So um, it is, even in the best of times, a little dicey to, to attach yourself to the Minnesota passing game just because they've signaled that that's not really the plan that they want to um, you know, put in place. Okay. Arizona goes and plays New England. New England, sneakily, one of just the worst defenses in football. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's not even sneaky. I, I, you know, we almost played Watson and cash last week because, and we would have, I think I actually did play him in a couple spots in cash just because the matchup was so good. New England right now in terms of DVOA ranks 32nd in defense. Uh, they are That's bad, right? Bad. They're particularly bad against both sides of the ball. 31st <laughs> in, against the pass and 28th against the run. This is just enough to just jam Kyler here, right? Like, I don't know what else there is. To, is there anything else to say? We mentioned Allen, but, and you, and you nodded to Kyler to start, but he's the best fantasy quarterback in the season and now faces the worst defense. I'm, the math, you don't need to have a spreadsheet or, you know, a sequel program here to, to understand that, like, this is just the best play, right? Yeah, it looks like the best play. Uh, I think you're going to be hard up to not play Kyler. Although, like I said, I think Josh Allen is still a perfectly reasonable option. Like Vegas likes the Bills as having a higher total than the Cardinals, right? So um, I think part of that is also the pace coming back the other way from the Chargers, right? So, you know, New England, they're going to, they just don't have a dynamic passing attack. They're going to try and run the ball. Even Newton's going to try and run the ball. They're going to slow things down, I think, a little bit more than the Chargers, who are just happy to air it out, throw to Allen 19 times a game and so on. So, um, so yeah, that's where I think it's going to wind up being close. Like basically, if you trust the Vegas totals, then and you think that Allen and Murray are both similar components of their team's offense, which I think is fair. Like they both rush for touchdowns. Um, maybe Allen has a little bit more competition on those rushing touchdowns with the presence of Moss, but yeah, I, th- I think it's very very close. I think Allen and Murray are are a coin flip to me, but both are great plays. Right, yeah, just uh, just as, as a pace number right now, New England allowing the fewest opponents plays per game yes. at fifty seven point six because they just run the ball. Time the defense is terrible, but like you said, they do grind the clock out. Uh, Chargers actually aren't too far behind sixty one point six, but it is a it is a, it is enough of a drop off, and that does represent probably the that's ten percent, right? Total. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you, I mean, New England's easily allows the fewest, right? Like the the next right. closest is a full two plays per game less. Which when you look at these charts, that that represents. A lot. Like that's the difference between the difference between one and two is the same difference between two and seven, right? So wow. like it's it, New England is just as far ahead of the field in terms of just keeping the other team off the field, even though when the other team is on the field, they basically just score. Uh, New England um, on this side of the ball. Oh, by the way, anything else here? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins has kind of fallen out of that wide receiver, that top tier wide receiver for me at this point. He's just been spreading the ball around too much, and to me, the Kenyon Drake Chase Edmonds thing just means. You just can't really trust either, right? Like, there's just—I don't—I just don't know if there's enough love to go around for any, really, for any of these guys. No, there's not. not certainly not in cash games. Um, I think you can definitely take stabs in big tournaments. You know, if you happen to guess right, Hopkins obviously has as much upside as anyone on a week-to-week basis. But you know, he's just been flat out worse than Keenan Allen, Stephon Diggs, <laughs> and so on. So, and he's the same. He's he's more expensive than those guys too, right? So, you're—he's not going to be in the conversation for cash this week. 
Uh, in terms of New England, I don't know if, you know, look, Jacoby Myers was a pretty big cash game play yeah. last week. I guess I kind of got it. Uh, it was not the direction that we went, thankfully, because the targets just didn't really materialize for him at all. He had three total targets. One interesting note here, I will say, is that James White, well, because Rex Burkhead is out for the year. And if you think that this game ends up with uh, New England having to play from behind, White did see nine targets and played on 39 snaps last week after mm-hmm. Burke had got hurt and Burke had only played 12. So if you think that this ends up being like a James White situation where they're you know playing catch up and they can't run downhill with Harris from a PPR perspective, I think there's a there's an avenue you can talk yourself into. I don't think you can trust it in cash because there's too many different ways the game can go where he just doesn't see these targets. But getting nine targets from from Newton is. And like they don't want to throw it on the field at all. So I think James White could en- end up being a sneaky sort of like high upside play, but I'd be worried a little bit about the floor. Uh, okay, next game. Cleveland goes and plays Jacksonville. Uh, I, I made the mistake of just watching a lot of the Cleveland-Philly uh, game last week. Oh, my God, was it terrible. I, like, it just like, I mean, Wentz was a, it was a particular form of terrible, so that really was what drove yeah. it all the way into the basement. But the Browns just, I mean, the, the passing game on the Browns is, no, is almost no better. Just, you like carries? <laughs> also, I tweeted during the game. I was like, you like bad weather, bad coaching, bad offenses. And like, just like, <laughs> then there's still time to flip over to this game because it was just really every piece of it, everything you hate to see. Now, that being said, Jacksonville is still about as bad as it gets when it comes to uh, defense, especially against the pass. Is that enough to like even consider these Browns guys or have we just seen it too much? They just want to run the ball. Like the, it's just going to be the Chubb and Hunt show, and uh, like that, and that's the end of it. Like, what do we want to do here? Because we've really targeted Jacksonville almost every single. Okay, week so for starters, I'm not playing anyone on Cleveland for DFS, okay. but I am curious to hear from you in terms of our betting system. Are, does it like Jacksonville? I haven't looked at anything here. I don't even know what the line is on this game off the top of my head. But Cleveland has to be one of the ultimate paper tigers that we've seen at this point in the season, right? I mean, they've got a minus twenty three point differential and a seven and three record i have to think there's some separation between how the public views cleveland as a result and what their underlying skill set is right okay so i'm going to say two things about our betting system one it's been really good especially over the yeah. last three weeks so um, i bring it up buddy yep okay and i actually missed a bet here because i sometimes it hasn't been totally in my normal flow love arizona minus i got him at minus two um now it's up to two and a half might even climbing to three so against new england so sorry i should have thrown that one out there Second piece is it's love Jacksonville all year relative to the spread. And it's mm-hmm. been a little funky because sometimes these quarterback changes, I have, it's a little hard to figure what the difference is. I don't in the end think there's a huge drop off between Minshew and Luton and there's probably another mm-hmm. one. It's wanted to bet Jacksonville week after week. And this week it's like, it's calling it a little bit closer. So the line right now mm-hmm. is six and a half minus six and a half. Okay. That's actually tighter than I thought it would be. And we have them at like 5.78 favorites, right? So that's like a little under a point for me is where I kind of get a little iffy about, you know, you know, the, how confident it is here. And so, um, I would say this is like, looks like a push to me and I'm with you that I just have no faith in Cleveland, but I do think it's a, there's probably just enough on the ground that getting Chubb back is probably represents. Yeah. Or, you know, potentially people have looked at this and just noticed that they're not as good as their record suggests, too. Probably some amount of both. Right, exactly. I should have said I also picked the uh, Chargers plus five and a half. Um, I've done right, a I'm putting bets in. I, I, I finally, hats off to Bavada for actually paying out the stupid United States presidential election, which has been stupid in about 500 different ways. Um, and by, by the way, shame on anyone who hasn't paid out certain obvious bets. I won't talk because one of these people has been a sponsor of ours in the past. But, uh, but shame on anyone who's not paying out places like New Jersey. You know, for the presidential election. Anyway, I do have some money freed up here, so 
I would like to go and place a few bets. Well, there you Here's go. So Chargers plus five and a half. Uh, Arizona plus two, or minus two and a half. Um, also, like Pittsburgh, kind of like wherever they're, whatever you're getting with them against Baltimore. Okay. Um, they might have taken that line off, though, because of the COVID pieces. Okay, uh, Jacksonville, uh, look, uh, DJ Chark got a lot of targets. Luton looks at least, like, has looked competent at times, but I don't think you can really trust it here. James Robinson, I will say with James Robinson, the one good thing you like about him is that he just is on the field all the time. Uh, for what, whatever you want to say about their offense, James Robinson just had another week of 17 carries. Like, you know, had 19 overall touches, uh, played 41 of the 47 offensive snaps. So uh, he's on the field a lot. It's not always the most efficient thing, but they seem to just kind of want the season to end. So they are still fine running him when need be <laughs> just to say, hey, let's just get to the, let's have the season end and then we'll all come back next year. Tennessee <laughs> goes in and plays the Colts. This game is Colts uh, minus three and a half. The line is up to 50 and a half. Uh, we're just fully never going to be able to trust what the Colts are going to do with the run game, right? Like Jonathan Taylor, it's like yeah. Naheem Hines one week, and then next last week it's like, hey, guess what? We love Jonathan Taylor now. He's going to get all the carries. Like, What up, Jay right Wilkins? You, get in there, buddy. And then well, when, right when you start to believe it, right? Like yeah. you just can't. He get like, Jonathan Taylor gets 22 carries last week, which a lot – and 22 carries and four targets, 26 touches, and now faces a Tennessee team who doesn't exactly have a great defense. I mean, they're bottom third defensive team, 26 overall TVOA. This would almost always be a situation where we say, all in on Jonathan Taylor, right? And, yeah. I, like, I, I just can't do it. I, I think people are going to do it, and maybe we'll just have to. Yeah, if, we, if we run out of plays elsewhere, like if we can't play Kalen Balazs, for instance, then it starts to get a little closer. Running back on this slate is very bad. I, that's one overwhelming feeling I had uh, trying to get together some preliminary looks at cash games for uh, this Sunday's game. So... Uh, running back is bad enough that I don't think we can just cross him off yet, but it, it wouldn't be exciting, that's for sure. Yeah, maybe at some point 26 touches is just overwhelming, and he is the guy they've wanted to play, I think, um, and they just have found excuses not to. And it's, I think, yeah, right, it's just probably cheap enough, right? 6,400 on FanDuel. If he was 6,400, or he is 6,400, if you saw that he was like 65% started, I think, and we didn't have him, I'd probably start to worry, especially considering like just the state of the rest of the, of the, of the position. Mm -hmm. But overall, yeah, this one's going to be, uh, sometimes I just know the things we're going to discuss going into Sunday, and <laughs> this feels like it's going to be one of the things that we end up discussing. Anything else here? I mean, I, I don't trust in terms of just overall target share, much of what I see here from the Colts, Phillip Rivers, happy to, to continue to spread the ball around. If there's a game that we're oh, yeah. going to play catch-up here against Indianapolis, what do we think? Anything to see here on the Titans side? Um, yeah, I mean, if they're going to be playing catch-up, I, I can't suspect that it's going to be too exciting. Um, you know, they have playmakers, obviously, like A.J. Brown. Uh, what he did against that Baltimore defense last week, I think. Did you retweet that clip, or maybe you just discussed it on Twitter? But of him just, like, dragging Baltimore Ravens uh, secondary around like they're young, young oh, it children. Amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like he was just like, it was, it was like, I was like, these are other professional athletes. Like these guys. And he's just was willing himself to just carry all of them into the end zone. It really was crazy. Insane. It was like, this guy looks like a linebacker that just happened to get an interception and drag the punter. Well, it's like me. Zone, like when, right? when we like get all the families like... together on Thanksgiving and it's like, I'm playing football with the kids and I got like Ollie, my son on my back and Ezra's holding on the one leg and like the whole thing. So, yeah. So yeah, but that, that doesn't necessarily translate to paying this fantasy or this DFS price very often, but uh, fun to root for nonetheless. Uh, one guy I think we might not be able to cross off for cash games is Derrick Henry, honestly. Yeah. Um, I, you can oof me all you want, bud. Okay? Don't oof me, bud. Mid-sentence. Mid um, <laughs> sorry, sorry to oof you. But last week 
against Baltimore, the guy touched the ball thirty yeah. times. So I don't, I don't know what we're what we're oofing about. I don't know. I mean, he's certainly different than Dalvin Cook, um, but I think the plan for his usage is pretty similar to what the plan for Cooks is. And we were everyone was looking at him exactly the same way as Cook through the first half of the season. So uh, last time they played Indy, he carried the ball nineteen times for one hundred and three yards. Didn't get any touchdowns or anything like that, but it's not an unreasonable amount of opportunity for his skill set at this price point. So um, not exciting by any means, but we're running low on plays at this point. So thought I'd throw it there. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I, I, get, I get the idea. And by the way, um, our system has really liked Tennessee. Had Tennessee with the points and the money line last week as the upset and was pretty feeling pretty pumped about that one. Does like them here again, plus three and a half, um, just as not buying – uh, totally has not buying everything that's coming out of Indy these days. I don't think so. Um, just something else to keep in mind. All right. Uh, next one o'clock game is the giants goes and play the Bengals. Obviously the story here is Joe Burrow. Uh, just another season of brutal and quarterback mm-hmm. injuries. This one, uh, there's been three or four of these this season where you just can't even watch the replay. It's like one thing to get hurt. It's another thing to say, you need to get a graphic warning before they show the replay. And I think, uh, the, the broadcast actually just didn't even show the replay because they just said, uh, we just can't we can't do this like the knee I, I happened to catch it the knee got just bent in a way that you never want to see and it looked and uh, as they mm. as Schefter tweeted out earlier in the week it seems like the, the injury was even worse than they originally expected so really really bummer news it was every overall. every part of the knee I mean yeah you've never seen I've, I've never seen a report quite like that because even sometimes they're like you know like with a Gordon Hayward injury or something from basketball they can at least name like one body part that got broken and this they were like it's ACL MCL and they just like yeah Go on and on. So yeah, truly awful. Really sad. Uh, so the first thing you need to do is you probably need to take you need to take the since he pass catchers out of the mix here. Um, just can't trust yeah. the Finley thing. Uh, at least from underlying stats from previous, you know, through the going into the year and what they've done over the season. So I think you're taking that out of the mix. On the Giants side of the ball. Well, you know, before you move off from Cincy, though, what about Gio Bernard? I mean, Mixon's out. Bernard's still really cheap. The Giants are not the greatest defense in the world. They got to do something with these offensive plays, right? So, I think you could see a bounce back week for your buddy Gio Bernard. Nine carries last week. Nine know, carries but. for eighteen yards. You did like you like to see the two <laughs> yards per 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 rush clip. Yeah, I would uh, say you love, 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 love to see it, but he does catch balls out of the backfield. I don't know. I mean, Samaj Perine was there last week too. He had uh, five carries as well. He was better on his carries than Bernard. So maybe it's maybe it's not feasible, but yeah, you know. I don't okay. think I'm here for it. What about, what about right, the, other, the other way, look, look at a guy like Wayne Gallman. Um, they have kind of concentrated on him as being, you know, they experimented with Alfred Morris a little bit, and it doesn't seem like that's like going to you know, be the thing they want to do. Uh, the last game that the Giants played, which was two weeks ago, Gallman did carry the ball 18 times with two targets, uh, and was not really all that efficient, but did score two running touchdowns, so you know that he is kind of the down-and-close option. Where do you want to land on him mm-hmm. with, against you know what continues to be a really bad Cincy defense, third to last in terms of DVOA, a little bit better against the pass? Where do you want to land on him in terms of cash game opportunity, knowing that they'll probably be able to get the ball a little bit more too just because of the, the state of the Cincinnati offense? Yeah, you can't cross him off uh, with some of the names we've been throwing out there. He's He's got to be on the short list of guys you consider. The Giants, I mean, strange as it is to say, should be kind of in control of this game. So, yeah, I, I, you know, he's he's one of the guys you can play. If 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 uh, Kalen Blage is out, I mean, they're around the same price. I think I wouldn't mind. Yeah. That's not a terrible pivot into it. It's not I, a I lock agree. play, but you know, eighteen carries is a nice sign. And like I said, it's hard to see 
you know, for as bad as the Giants have been this season, they've been feisty in games and, and stuck close um, sort of throughout the season. They haven't, there's been very few times where they've gotten absolutely blown out, and it's hard to see that, that happening uh, in this situation. Anything from the past Giants passing game at all that you like? Uh, you know, last game we did see. No, I don't think you can do it with, with Tate coming back. He took, I think, too many targets. Like, it was, it was kind of an open question as to how many targets he would get. It was kind of vacillating around. Even the five targets he took off the table last week was enough to kill guys like Evan Ingram, uh, Sterling Shepard, who we were kind of considering. Uh, Darius Slayton probably emerging as the most skilled receiver in that, in that lineup there, but I don't know if you really can do that either, right? He had one target against Washington, so I don't think he ultimately land there. I will say... I do believe the Giants could be the chalk defense this week, though. Um, there's, it's really tough. That, you know, Pittsburgh's basically not on the slate. Washington's not on the slate. These have been two of the uh, more targeted defense on the season. There really isn't that good sweet spot, cheap defense. It's also kind of good in a good matchup. So expect a lot of ownership out of the Giants defense this week. Um, okay, moving into Miami and the Jets. Miami comes off a week where they bench Tua in favor of Ryan Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. like midway through the game. Um, it, he has been reported that he's going to remain the starting quarterback, though you never like to see the benching. I will say we're probably right back to that, like, we're right back to that Jameis. Ryan, Ryan Fitzpatrick always involved in this stuff. Remember, like, when it's like you can't play Jameis because Fitzpatrick might come back in. You can't play Fitzpatrick because Jameis might, come, might be in at halftime. I think we might be in that kind of situation here with Miami. So I don't know the passing game I, I want to have any part of. And it's sad because the Jets are absolutely, absolutely, absolutely terrible. Like, they're, the defense is yeah. so bad. They're dead last against the pass. It's not even close how, how much worse they are against the pass than the run. And so, <laughs> um, and which is to say, this is like a true funnel defense, right? The 30, they're 32nd against the pass, ninth against the run in terms of DVOA. So you want, this is a game where you want to have, there's a team you just want to have guys against, <laughs> against them like we had with Herbert and Allen last week. And I just... I don't know, right? Am I wrong? Or is Devontae Parker? You can play Devontae Parker. Uh, You can't. I don't think you want to rule him out at 6,500. I don't know if you're excited, but I still think you can consider it. Um, You know, he's good last week. He's probably good, regardless of who's under center there. Uh, Maybe he's even worse if Tua is a starter. I'm not sure. But but yeah, I'm still definitely thinking about him. And I think potentially the highest owned running back could be Salvan Ahmed. Um, It's not a great matchup with the Jets, like you said in terms of how they've performed against opposing defenses or opposing running games. But in terms of Ahmed's opportunity right now, he played 85% of the offensive snaps last week. Uh, He had six targets in the passing game, which you absolutely love to see. He had 20 carries the week before that. He really has emerged as the RB1. And on a team that's kind of flattering to figure out their offensive identity, I do think he will be, uh, you know, a guy that's going to be there. While the Jets have been good against the run, the game script suggests, you know, with the Dolphins six-and-a-half-point favorites that – Ahmed should be in line for you know 18 to 20 plus touches and on a week where it's just really hard to find good running backs I'm I'd be happy to play him in cash I think yeah he's a lock he's a lock in cash I don't got my kids screaming in the back so if you get this (laughs) happy Thanksgiving everyone yeah happy Thanksgiving I stopped this a couple times like she's able to blast through the soundproofing it's uh pretty remarkable actually so um not really sure what else to do about it uh family family's home during the week here on the holiday week so uh that's just kind of where we are in terms of on a day. Hey, but you don't need to apologize to the DFSR listeners. It's they're out there. They're faithful. They love you, buddy. Don't I mean, worry. she was just pumped about the Salvana med play. I think like she heard she heard us mention it. She was like everywhere yeah, she in thought cash. I was going too light on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she was just like total smash spot. <laughs> I think I, I no heard. doubt. 
All right, uh, let's keep going here. Uh, I, yeah, I think, like I said, uh, nothing nothing here to see for me for the Jets. I, the, Michael no. Piran was supposed to get uh, all the carries, and then he got hurt, so that just kind of sums up, again, the Jets season and whatever. See, I'm, anybody mm-hmm. could play here, and I've probably – you play the Miami defense. I don't know what else to tell people here. All right, uh, moving into the 4 o'clock games, we get San Francisco and L.A. Uh, L.A. right now, 7.5-point home favorites. They are coming off the win on a somewhat short week. Uh, over Tampa Bay, you like to see that win. We had the Rams mm-hmm. uh, plus the points again. Betting system murdering it so far. Uh, Jared Goff threw the ball 51 times, three touchdowns. They ran the ball. Oh my God, they ran the ball seven times in, the, in that game. <laughs> so again, the reason I mention this is because when you're seven point home favorites against a team, this is usually where you want to start targeting running backs, but you just can't do it with the with the Rams, right? Like who knows what the plan is? Yeah. Um, they probably want to run the ball. I mean, Robert Woods had two of, two of the seven rushing attempts. Malcolm Brown, is this even right? You can't just play this running game. You know, breaking it all down is all well and good. I messed up. I'm going to take this back. I I sorted this the wrong way. Sorry, Daryl Henderson at eight. I I counted the wrong thing. I sorted by yards. Uh, It's funny because when you sort by yards, the guys end up so far on the list because Robert Woods had minus four yards and then Daryl Henderson (laughs) had five yards on eight rushes. What a mess. Anyway, I've I've, I've really messed this up. What are your thoughts here? This is a really long time to spend on a a running game that we absolutely can in no part play any guy from. Um, We'll say on the passing side, things do get kind of interesting for LA here. Uh, Josh Reynolds is a guy that was looking pretty tempting after multiple weeks of kind of like, you know, cresting targets, 8, 9, and then 10 against Seattle. Came back down to earth in terms of the target share against Seattle. He really hasn't put any of these targets together to turn into huge fantasy weeks necessarily, uh, but he was certainly on radars. What about Cooper Cup, though? I mean, we have a lot of really good wide receiver options this week. Cup right back to his old ones last week against Tampa Bay. 13 targets, 11 receptions for 145 yards. That's just elite, you know, Keenan Allen level production for 20% less on the price or something like that, or, or maybe a little bit, uh, maybe not quite 20%, call it 15%. That's still a pretty significant savings. Granted, we have a lot of really good wide receiver options, but should he be in our short list for cash games? I was just checking in on why our projection on him is pretty low, because I know that we have him for a lot of targets, and I wonder if he just if the, it hates the matchup, like if it hates the, the slot mm-hmm. matchup. I'm just checking in on this real quick. So, um yeah, Jamar Taylor runs out of the slot. It's uh yeah, the sec- the the San Francisco secondary rates pretty high. I'm actually a little surprised about Cup's projection. It makes me feel like it's a little bit low. So uh, I'm gonna check in on that one because I'm not confident that we have all the right inputs on that one. Uh, and then on the San Francisco side, it just kind of still remains a mess over there. The Rams defense is really good, so I don't think you need to even uh, kind of like you don't you're not even squinting to see it uh, on that side of the ball. No. Next one game, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on. So it's the Saints in Denver. Saints are five-and-a-half-point favorites. We were Taysom Hill everywhere, even on DK, which I was happy about. It was looking a little weird yeah, to start Yeah, I was pretty happy week. with that, too. <laughs> it was looking a little weird to start, and then all of a sudden it just became the thing that we were really hoping for. We were really high on him uh, just relative to the overall field. I think we had him like QB7, and that had to be one of the highest um, like ratings, maybe even higher uh, when going into last week. I mean, do we want to do it again? He ran the ball 10 times, threw the ball 23 times, was pretty efficient, 18 for 23. Passing touchdowns didn't get there, but he ran in twice. Where does Taysom Hill rank in terms of our cash game quarterbacks? Is it just that like Kyler's matchup and overall body of work is just so safe and that's where we're not? Because they did, they did. I mean, obviously they switched back the Taysom Hill to tight end thing, so they got there uh, in that respect. But he's still he's like eighteen hundred less than Kyler on FanDuel. Right. Let me check the DraftKings price real quick. Um, but where do we stand with him and sort of in the 
in the cash quarterback rankings, he's 6,200. Yeah, he's 2,000 less than, than Murray on DraftKings. Right. This so is that's, kind of, that's kind of where I'm thinking things through here. So on FanDuel, I don't think the savings is enough for the excess risk. Um, he'll wind up getting there. He was, he was pretty efficient passing-wise, too. So it's not like he was lucky necessarily. But yeah. the amount that the Saints trust him to really air it out, I just don't know. I just don't know how much that will be, right? And you cannot count on quarterbacks to get two rushing touchdowns a game even if they're quite gifted with their feet the way Hill is. So on FanDuel, I don't think I can do it. I did not to him on DraftKings. And, and like I've been saying this whole time, like there are just not a lot of great cheap plays this week. So if Hill's the guy that unlocks you and your ability to play, you know, some kind of Diggs plus Allen combo at wide receiver, you have to take a hard look at it. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely on a list of guys I'm considering. Uh, what do we want to do with guys like Kamara? I mean, how far do we ding Kamara after one game? with The, the whole way. You can't really? play him. Uh, no way. He got one target last week. You can't. With a new quarterback, for a guy that's so target dependent, yeah, he could definitely come back up. But there's no planet that you can pay 8600 for a guy who just touched the ball 14 times in what should have been a perfect game script for him, right? I mean, that's not when there's also contextual reasons that things should be changing for him. I just cannot, I cannot picture clicking the plus sign next to his name for catches. What about Michael Thomas, who had 12 targets? Um, like, is that enough to just kind of carry over into putting him back into the group of wide receivers that we wanted to consider with him, like, you know, coming off last season? It's, it hasn't been this season because of the injuries and whatnot, but, like, does that ding him back? Does that tick him back up into that level? So it's funny. I'm reminded, the way I feel about these guys, it reminds me of how I feel about starting pitchers in baseball, where if a guy goes out there and strikes out 11 guys in six innings, I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, good to know, but I'm not going to go and change everything. That's kind of how I feel about Thomas returning back up to 12 targets this week where I'm like, cool, that's a good data point. I think I still have other safer guys at this price point given that there's a changing situation, but I'm taking note. For Kamara, it's like when a pitcher goes out there and gets 11 walks in a game, right? Where <laughs> It's like, okay, this isn't just a one-off thing. If this is possible for him to go out there and just have a one-target game, I can't be anywhere near it. So you get more, you get penalized more for your terrible opportunity games than you do you get credit for your big opportunity games where I come from, especially if it's a big divergence from what we've seen so far. So um, encouraging with Thomas, definitely like, you know, he's not unplayable by any stretch. I just think we happen to be walking into a week where we have multiple excellent options at the same price point. If this were like the Thanksgiving slate or something, and this was our option, I would happily play him over like, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster or something, but I just don't think we need to force the issue here. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, and like I said, I think on Hill, we'll probably end up getting there on DraftKings, and I don't mind splitting it. It's so crazy, but yeah, I just I you saw enough. There are, he's got an absolute cannon, too. I think people kind of knew this, but mm-hmm. in terms of getting the ball down the field, this wasn't just dink and dunk territory. They took shots with him for sure. So um, he's a good player. I don't like the, the matchup against Denver is not amazing, but um, – I just think it's one of those situations where people are going to look and be like, oh, he got more expensive. And we've talked about this time and time again. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he got more expensive, but he didn't get expensive enough. <laughs> like, it's just yep. they, they made a correction, but the baseline was just starting a little bit too low. And it just didn't they weren't able to ticket the percentage up uh, requisitely for what the actual opportunity is. OK, uh, last game is Casey goes in and plays Tampa. Casey three-point road favorites here against a Bucks team that's looked a little kind of all over the place in terms of what they're able to get done. Uh, what do you like about this game? Yeah, so for starters, I like the Chiefs. Uh, we haven't talked about the Chiefs hardly at all because they haven't been on main slates <laughs> for a while. They've been playing a lot of feature games, but uh, particularly the Chiefs passing game, there have been some guys, you know, again, we've taken some time off of discussing this, but while we were asleep, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey have both been extremely reliable cash game options. 
uh, Hill in the last two weeks has 32 targets. I mean, we haven't seen anything like that out of a Kansas City wide receiver when everyone's healthy since Mahomes took over, right? I mean, he's always been spreading the ball out quite a bit more than that. Some of this is game script dependent, you know, like they had to come back against the uh, Raiders, for instance. Carolina kept it closer than maybe you would have suspected. But um, but it's still, you know, he, he has to be in the consideration for cash games as a result, and he's right there in that Allen Diggs group for me. I uh, wouldn't be shocked to see him outstrip them. And then on the tight end piece, I feel like Kelsey is, is actually pushing the issue here in terms of us potentially needing to play pay up for a tight end. Tight end, you'll notice, we've talked about zero of them so far, right. besides Hayden Hurst, who isn't even a good play. <laughs> um, tight end is just straight up awful. There's no nice way to sugarcoat it. Even some guys you can sort of consider, like Mark Andrews and Eric Ebron, Logan Thomas, these guys are all playing on Thursday. Dalton Schultz, you know, a lot of the reasonable tight ends are playing on Thursday. And Kelsey in the last three weeks, I mean, 10, 12, and 12 targets, eight or more catches in each game, averaging 132 yards through the air, a touchdown in two of those three games. That is production like you would see out of an $8,000 wide receiver. So I don't think you can rule him out either. And listeners at home will start to recognize, hold on, so I'm supposed to pay 9000 at quarterback, 8000 plus at all three wide receivers, and 8000 at tight end? That's correct. Yep. <laughs> you got to figure out. You got to out how to do it. I don't think you'll actually be able to do that. But um, normally, I would like instantly rule out paying up for tight end. This is a week where I might make an exception there. Right now in our lineups, I mean on DraftKings, we have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey in 100% of lineups. Um, that's yeah. just the way it's kind of shaken out. Um, and Draft and Fanduel, I believe it's the same. Yeah. So it's it is. Some of that is dicey though because it's counting on you being able to play like Caitlin Balazs, who you might not be able to. It's counting on you to be able to play Curtis Samuel, which you can't do if um, Bridgewater comes back. So there are some contingency factors there. If you start Xing those guys out, um, Hill winds up disappearing, for instance. Um, it's even, you know, hoping that you can play Russell Gage. So this is early in the week to do this cash game podcast. You're really going to want to check in. I'm going to post an updated cash game article for Sunday slate on Friday. Uh, we'll be in our members only chat, obviously, you know, in spite of the holiday weekend, we'll be there. We're like the post office, except we actually do show up every single day. So, um, so yeah, you just get. We're just not going to be able to tell you definitively right now how those cash game lineups are going to look until some of this key information comes in. I went to the post office the other day. Quick note, and because I had to actually mail something, it was like sending Thanksgiving cards to our hmm. whole family because that's how we celebrate Thanksgiving in COVID times. You just send them a letter. But um, <laughs> the uh, I was I, I, I was <laughs> this is just totally off the rails, but whatever. I, I go so going over, back to revolutionary times, you're like sending a letter over the by Pony Express or well, <laughs> overseas got, well, or it's something. It's like it's like eleven o'clock in, in, on a weekday, and I and I type in post office like wherever because I have no idea where it even is because I've never been to the one, and it says closing soon, and I'm like, what? It's like eleven o'clock on a Tuesday, and it's or Monday, and it's closing soon. I look at the hours. It was open from nine sure. to eleven, and then reopened at twelve fifteen. It is like the revolutionary times, where the person just goes home for lunch. You know what I mean? Like they're like, ah, we're yeah, closing. Yeah, going out to lunch that day. I was like, what on earth? <laughs> so I like get it, like so I ran over to get it on time. Anyway, this is a non sequitur, but I, I was like, never again, post office. I mean, I don't even know why we did it to begin with, but um, that's the, the the wife side of the figuring out how we're going to celebrate here. But uh, yeah, anyway, post office, just you know, close it, close it down for an hour in the middle of the day. Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right, we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR 
sportsbetting.com for short. Like James said, to get over there, go in our members-only chat where people are talking about sports every day. We'll be there Thanksgiving morning. Uh, we'll be there Sunday morning talking cash games as well. Chris Darrell, our guys in there as well. Whatever action um, you want to talk about is over there. And it also, obviously, more importantly, includes FanDuel and DraftKings optimal lineups for NFL. Uh, NBA with the season's just you know right around the corner PGA we have it up there I mean heck who knows when baseball comes back maybe they'll come back over the winter you don't know how these sports are going anymore so go and check it out dfsr.com slash deals will get you started buddy enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday I'll zoom you so we're a little socially distanced <laughs> how could I not buddy how could I not peace